Rise of the Witches. You will train. You will become my elite. When all life on Earth is threatened by vampires and werewolves, Gaia grants her daughters access to her elemental powers to restore balance. Who better to restore balance than the gatekeepers of all life? Rise of the Witches. You will become my elite. Hello and welcome to another episode of Challenger Environment. This is your host, Big Rich. And as always, I hope you have been challenging your environment, making changes, doing something, growing, changing, developing, working hard at something in your life, but not just sitting around idle. Uh, the new episode I'm going to do is going back to 48 Laws of Power. Uh, I want to do the Keep Your Hands Clean. And as always, there is a reason for this. When you think about our previous president and his way of distancing himself from a lot of people, there's a lot of tactics you're going to see here. And of course, the previous pre president is Trump, in case you didn't know, in case you were under a rock for a while. But uh, it's, it's called Law 26, Keep Your Hands Clean. And it starts off with the judgment. It says, you must seem a paragon of civility and efficiency. Your hands are never soiled by mistakes and nasty deeds. Maintain such a spotless appearance by using others as scapegoats and cat's paws to disguise your involvement. Now, when you think about the previous president, I want you to think about China virus, it's someone else's fault, uh, the media, fake news, it's never ever his downfall, it's never his mistake, it's always someone else. And we've even seen people who are willing to take the fall for him. So it just goes to show that this tactic works and it continues to work to this day, to always pass the blame, never accept responsibility, and for some reason we as people or citizens seem to respect that, but then we hate it when our co-workers or our children do it but we'll put leaders in position to do that. So that says a lot about us as people, and as always, that's what I want you to check and look at is reflect on yourself and ask how does this apply to me and how does this work in my life and am I a scapegoat? Just good thoughts to ask yourself. So this is gonna be a two-parter. I'm gonna start off with part one. And part one is conceal your mistakes. Have a scapegoat around to take the blame. Our good name and reputation depend more on what we conceal than what we reveal. Everyone makes mistakes, but those who are truly clever manage to hide them and to make sure someone else is to blame. A convenient scapegoat should always be kept around for such moments. Observance of the Law Near the end of the 2nd century AD, as China's mighty Han Empire slowly collapsed, the great general and imperial minister Cao Cao emerged as the most powerful man in the country. Seeking to extend his power base and to rid himself of the last of his rivals, Cao Cao began to campaign to take control of the strategically vital central plain. During the siege of a key city, he slightly miscalculated the timing of supplies of grain to arrive for the capital. As he waited for the shipment to come in, the army ran low on food and Cao Cao was forced to order the chief of commissariat to reduce its rations. Cao Cao kept a tight rein on the army and ran a network of informers. His spies soon reported that the men were complaining 
grumbling that he was living well while they themselves had barely enough to eat. Perhaps Sao Sao was keeping the food for himself, they murmured. If the grumbling spread, Sao Sao could also have a mutiny on his hands. He summoned the chief of commissariat to his tent. I want to ask you to lend me something and you must not refuse, Sao Sao told the chief. What is it? The chief replied. I want the loan of your head to show to the troops, said Sao Sao. But I've done nothing wrong, cried the chief. I know, said Sao Sao with a sigh. But if I do not put you to death, there will be a mutiny. Do not grieve. After you are gone, I'll look after your family. Put this way. The request left the chief no choice, so he resigned himself to his fate and was beheaded that very day. Seeing his head on public display, the soldiers stopped grumbling. Some saw through Sao's gesture, but kept quiet, stunned and intimidated by his violence. And most accepted his version of who was to blame, preferring to believe in his wisdom and fairness than his incompetence and cruelty. Interpretation Sao Sao came to power in an extremely tumultuous time. In the struggle for supremacy, in the crumbling Han Empire, enemies had emerged from all sides. The battle for the Sentry Plain had proven more difficult than he imagined, and money and provisions were a constant concern. No wonder that under such stress, he had forgotten to order supplies in time. Once it became clear that the delay was a critical mistake, and that the army was seething with mutiny, Sao Sao had two options apologize and excuse or a scapegoat. Understanding the workings of power and the importance of appearance, as he did, Sao Sao did not hesitate for a moment. He shopped around for the most convenient head and had it served up immediately. Occasionally, mistakes are inevitable. The world is just too unpredictable. People of power, however, are undone not by the mistakes they make, but by the way they deal with them. Like surgeons, they must cut away the tumor with speed and, and finality. Excuses and apologies are much too blunt tools for this delicate operation. The powerful avoid them. By apologizing, you open up all sorts of doubts about your competence, your intentions, and any other mistakes you may have not confessed. Excuses satisfy no one and apologies make everyone uncomfortable. The mistake does not vanish with an apology. It deepens and festers. Better to cut it off instantly, distract attention from yourself, and focus attention on a convenient scapegoat before people have time to ponder your responsibility or your possible incompetence. I would rather betray the whole world than let the world betray me. General Sao Sao, CAD 155-220 Would you raise your children to do that? If your child made a mistake, would you encourage them to blame their sibling or somebody else? Just a thought. But apparently, that's what we as people find powerful. Think about that and what we as people are truly saying. One minute we teach our children to own up to it, the next minute we're putting people who deny and reject their responsibilities and pass the scapegoat into positions of power. Alright, in part one, we're going to head into Observance of the Law 2. For several years, Cesare Borgia campaigned to gain control of large parts of Italy in the name of his father, Pope Alexander. In the year 1500, he managed to take Romagna in northern Italy. 
The reign had for years been ruled by a series of greedy masters who had plundered its wealth for themselves. Without police or any disciplining force, it had descended into lawlessness, whole areas being ruled by robbers and feuding families. To establish order, Cesare appointed a lieutenant general of the region, Rimerio di Orco, a cruel and vigorous man. According to Niccolo Machiavelli, Cesare gave Diorco absolute powers. With energy and violence, Diorco established a severe, brutal justice in Romagna, and soon rid of almost all of its lawless elements. But in his zeal, he sometimes went too far, and after a couple of years, the local population resented and even hated him. In December of 1502, Cesare took decisive action. He first let it be known that he had not approved of Diorco's cruel and violent deeds, which stemmed from the lieutenant's brutal nature. Then, on December 22nd, he imprisoned Diorco in the town of Cecina, and the day after Christmas, the town people awoke to find a strange spectacle in the middle of the piazza. Diorco's headless body, dressed in a lavish suit with a purple cape, the head impaled beside it on a pike. The bloody knife and executioner's block laid out beside the head. As Machiavelli concealed his comments on the affair, the ferocity of the scene left the people at once stunned and satisfied. Interpretation Cesar Borgia was a master player in the game of power, always planning several moves ahead. He set his opponents the cleverest traps. For this, Machiavelli honored him above all others in the prince. Cesar foresaw the future with amazing clarity in Magna. Only brutal justice would bring order to the reign. The process would take several years, and at first the people would welcome it, but it would soon make many enemies, and the citizens would come to resent the imposition of such unforgiving justice, especially by outsiders. Cesare himself then could not be seen as the agent of this justice. The people's hatred would cause too many problems in the future. And so he chose the one man who could do the dirty work, knowing in advance that once the task was done, he would have to display Diorco's head on a pike. The scapegoat in this case had been planned from the beginning. With Sao Sao, the scapegoat was an entirely innocent man. In the Romagna, he was the offensive weapon in Cesare's arsenal that let him get the dirty work done without bloodying his own hands. With this second kind of scapegoat, it is wise to separate yourself from the hatchet man at some point, either leaving him dangling in the wind or, like Cesar, even making yourself the one bringing him to justice. Not only are you free of involvement in the problem, you can appear as the one who cleaned it up. The Athenians regularly maintain a number of degraded and useless beings at the public expenses, and when any calamity, such as plague, drought, or famine, befell the city, the scapegoats were led about and then sacrificed, apparently by being stoned outside the city. The Golden Ball, Sir James George Fraser, 1854-1941 through 1941. Keys to Power the use of scapegoats is old as civilization itself, and examples of it can be found in cultures around the world. The main idea behind these sacrifices is the shifting of guilt and sin to an outside figure, object, animal, or man. 
which is then banished or destroyed. The Hebrews used to take a live goat, hence the term scapegoat, upon whose head the priest would lay both hands while confessing the sin of the child of Israel. Having thus had those sins transferred to it, the beast would be led away and abandoned in the wilderness. With the Athenians and the Aztecs, the scapegoat was human, often a person fed and raised for the purpose. Since famine and plague were thought to be visited on humans by the gods, in punishment for wrongdoing, the people suffered not only from the famine and plague themselves, but from blame and guilt. They freed themselves of guilt by transferring it to an innocent person, whose death was intended to satisfy the divine powers and banish the evil from their midst. It is an extremely humane response to not look inward after a mistake or crime, but rather to look outward and to affix blame and guilt on a convenient object. When the plague was ravaging Thebes, Odephius looked everywhere for its cause, everywhere except inside himself and his own sin of incest, which had so offended the gods and occasioned, which had so offended the gods and occasioned the plague. This profound need to exercise one's guilt, to project it on another person or object, has an immense power, which the clever know how to harness. Sacrifice is a ritual, perhaps the most ancient ritual of all. Ritual, too, is a wellspring of power. In the killing of Deorco, note Cesar's symbolic and ritualistic display of his body by framing it in the dramatic way he focused guilt outward. The citizens of Romagna responded instantly. Because it comes so naturally to us to look outward rather than inward, we readily accept the scapegoat's guilt. The bloody sacrifice of the scapegoat seems a barbaric relic of the past, but the practice lives on to this day. If indirectly and symbolically, since power depends on appearance, and those in power must seem never to make mistake, the use of scapegoats is as popular as ever. What modern leader will, re will take responsibility for his blunders? He searches out others to blame, a scapegoat to sacrifice. Well, Mao Zedong cultural revolution failed miserably, he made no apologies or excuses to the Chinese people. Instead, like Cao Cao, before him, he offered up scapegoats, in concluding his own personal secretary and high-ranking member of the party, Shin Foto. Franklin D. Roosevelt had a reputation for honesty and fairness. Throughout his career, however, he faced many situations in which being the nice guy would have spelled political disaster yet he could not be seen as the agent of any foul play. For 20 years, then, his secretary, Lewis Howe, played the role Deorco had. He handled the backroom deals, the manipulation of the press, the underhanded campaign maneuvers, and whenever a mistake was committed, or a dirty trick contradicting Roosevelt's carefully crafted image became public, Howe served as the scapegoat and never complained. Besides conveniently shifting blame, a scapegoat can serve as a warning to others. In 1631, a plot was hatched to oust Francis Cardinal Richelieu from power, a plot that became known as the Day of the Dupes. It almost succeeded, since it involved the upper echelons of government, including the Queen Mother. But through luck and his own conveniences, Richelieu survived. One of the key conspirators was a man named Marillac, the Keeper of the Seals. 
which Lou could not imprison him without implicating the Queen Mother, an extremely dangerous tactic. So he targeted Marilac's brother, a marshal in the army. This man had no involvement in the plot. Rich Lou, however, afraid that other conspiracies might be in the air, especially in the army, decided to set an example. He tried the brother on trumped up charges and had him executed. In this way, he indirectly punished the real perpetrator, who had thought himself protected and warned any future conspirators that he would not shrink from sacrificing the innocent to protect his own power. In fact, it is often wise to choose the most innocent victim possible as a sacrificial goat. Such people will not be powerful enough to fight you, and their naive protest may be seen as protesting too much, may be seen, in other words, as a sign of their guilt. Be careful, however, not to create a martyr. It is important that you remain the victim, the poor leader betrayed by the incompetence of those around you. If the scapegoat appears too weak and his punishment too cruel, you may end up with the victim of your own device. Sometimes you should find a more powerful scapegoat, one who will elicit less sympathy in the long run. In this vein, history has time and again shown the value of using a close associate as a scapegoat. This is known as the fall of the favorite. Most kings had a personal favorite at court a man whom they singled out sometimes for no apparent reason, and lavished with favors and attentions. But this court favorite could serve as a convenient scapegoat in case of a threat to the king's reputation. The public would readily believe in the scapegoat's guilt. Why would the king sacrifice his favorite unless he were guilty? And the other courtiers, resentful of the favorite anyway, will rejoice at his downfall. The king, meanwhile, would rid himself of a man who by the time had probably learned too much about him, perhaps becoming arrogant and even disdainful of him. Choosing a close associate as a scapegoat has the same value as the fall of the favorite. You may lose a friend or aid, but in the long term, it is more important to hide your mistakes than to hold on to someone who one day will probably turn against you. Besides, you can always find a new favorite to take his place. Imagine the innocent goat. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest brings the goat into the temple, places his hands on its head, and confesses the people's sins, transferring guilt to the guiltless beast, which is then led to the wilderness and abandoned, the people's sins and blame vanishing with him. Authority. Folly consists not in committing folly, but in being incapable of concealing it. All men make mistakes, but the wise conceal the blunders they have made, while fools make them public. Reputations depend more on what is hidden than on what is seen. If you can't be good, be careful. Alright, so some of the lessons I hope you picked up out of this about scapegoats and how we've seen this with our, our leaders, our political leaders, our work leaders, our many different leaders in our society and how they've been able to maintain their positions of power by not accepting responsibility for their actions. Is that an act you want to take on yourself? Is that something you want to teach your children? Well, that's your choice. And again, challenge your environment. All right, so the next portion is going to be part two, and that's going to be make use of the cat's paw. And that's going to be part two of this same chapter. 
And under this 48 Laws of Power, the title was Keep Your Hands Clean. And if it's, we've noticed, it's all about scapegoats and making sure other people are able to take the blame and us not growing from our personal responsibility publicly. Now, they may grow privately, but not publicly. They, they maintain an image. So that is something to think about. If you enjoyed this show or any of the other shows that I've done, please support me by hitting donate on the website or going to anchor and hitting donate subscribe or you can help me out by purchasing my books i have several books one called rise of the witches another one called challenge your environment the other one get your mind right to shake the weight off bob the sasquatch and i'm working on many other ones but please i appreciate your support because it definitely helps me hope you enjoy this and i hope you're back for the next portion part two